So today, I'm going to talk to you about reconciliation. It's a big word, and I'm hoping to be able to explain to you what Jesus did to reconcile us to God. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us out here tonight, Lord, or today. Lord, thank you for the gifts that you've given. Lord, may you move me out of your way so that this message comes through loud and clear. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. So if you'll stand with me for the reading of the word, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You can be seated. So what does it mean to be reconciled to God? Well, if you get into an argument with your significant other, you guys make up, you, you, know, you discuss the situation, and you reconcile. If you, you have an issue with a family member or a friend and, and you, know, you guys completely disagree and walk the opposite directions, you come back together eventually and talk it out and you can reconcile. But the situation with God is a little bit different. You see, in order to really understand why Jesus had to come and die on the cross so that we could be reconciled, we have to understand what was broken. What happened that made this so significant. So in order to understand that, we got to go all the way back to Genesis. So in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden. He created us to be the caretakers of the garden, to care for the animals of the garden and the, and the plants. And, and we had a purpose there. And, and Adam and Eve lived in the garden completely pure and perfect in every way. Their spirit was, was immaculate, unblemished, and much like a little two- or three-year-old, they didn't understand sin. Everything they did was completely acceptable. It didn't matter what they did. They were running around in the garden completely naked, and it didn't mean anything because there was no sin because they didn't understand that there's things that could be good and things that can be bad, things that can be negative, and things that can be positive. There was none of that. They were innocent beings, perfect in every way. And anything they did, no matter what it was, was completely acceptable because they didn't have the knowledge that there was such a thing as good and evil. St. Augustine said it was privation, that there's nothing that's good and even evil. It's just how you view it and how you think about it which causes the sin. So you see, the fruit that Adam and Eve ate gave us knowledge. That's the problem. It's the, the, the fruit of knowledge. All of a sudden, we were in, enlightened with a knowledge of good and evil, which created sin. Now, Adam and Eve could have been doing those same things they did after eating the fruit, way before ever eating the fruit, but they just didn't know that those things were sin. So there was no sin. Their soul was perfect and pure in every way. But God said to him, don't eat that fruit or you will surely die. 
So what happened when Adam and Eve ate the fruit? Did they die? Well, it says in Romans that the wages of sin is death. Well, if the wages of sin is death, then all of a sudden Adam and Eve had sin come into them. And sin and spirit cannot coexist. So their spirit died. And since that time, every one of us have a dead spirit. Our spirit is gone. Now, we were designed to be three pieces just like God. A spirit, a physical, and an emotional. Those three pieces come together to make a perfect trinity, just like God. All of a sudden, Adam and Eve ate the fruit, and they were no longer a trinity. They were just emotions and a physical. So what happened? What broke? Well, the first thing that happened is the relationship with God was, was broken. The Lord came looking for Adam, and he said, Where are you? And he, Adam said, well, I was naked, so I was afraid. See, prior to this, Adam and Eve had never been afraid of God. He walked with them in the garden. He loved them. He gave them everything. He, he took care of them. They loved him unconditionally, and he loved them unconditionally. And there was no fear. Now all of a sudden there was fear. The relationship between man and God was broken. But the relationship between man and others was broken too because the first thing that Adam did is said, it wasn't my fault. It was Eve, that one you gave me. It was the serpent. The serpent convinced us to do this. He refused to take responsibility for what he did. From that point on, the relationship between himself, us, and other people is forever tainted and broken. And just to understand that every relationship you've ever been in, you questioned whether the other person in the relationship with you could be trusted. Are they telling you the truth? Is what they're doing really what they say they're doing? Because our relationships are broken. The relationship with creation was severed and broken. We were made to live in the garden, to care for the, that plants and animals and trees of the garden, and all of a sudden, that ends. God says, from this point on, you will toil with the soil. You'll struggle with it to get food. No longer will it cater to you. You cater it to it. You'll struggle for the rest of your life working. So our Relationship with creation was marred and broken. And he said, get out of the garden. You can't be here anymore. Not without a spirit. So our relationship with ourselves was broken. All of a sudden we had no purpose. Our entire purpose was designed to be in the garden. The caretaker's. And we didn't have a purpose anymore because we were kicked out. So all of a sudden, we're emotionally distraught. And since then, we've been emotionally distraught. We're depressed and we're anxious because everything we do doesn't seem to satisfy. Everything we try to do doesn't seem to satisfy. We're depressed and, and upset because everything we try to do doesn't quite reach the expectation we have for it. We're emotionally broken as well because of what we did. 
Now I say what we did, but it was Adam and Eve that started this. The problem is, is that since then, we continued. We were given knowledge because Adam and Eve ate the apple, and our knowledge has allowed us to continue to kill our spirit every generation. Your children are born maybe with a spirit, and they're innocent for a certain period of time. Then they realize that when they ran up and took that toy from somebody else, after a while, it isn't an innocent taking. It's eventually theft. And then they send, and the sin goes in, and then their spirit dies too. But Jesus. Everybody say, but Jesus. So we walk through life with a broken husk of a spirit. It's just nothing left. It's, it's just this broken, rotting thing we're carting around with us. Our spirit is dead. It's been dead. And we try to fill this spirit with all kinds of stuff. We, if we don't know Jesus, we, we try to fill it with lust and drugs and addictions and hatred and, and gluttony and, I mean, cigarettes and alcohol and and we try to fill that spirit up with those things, and, and we're never happy. We're never content because all those things come from the physical side and the emotional side, and, and it just never, never feels right. And if the physical stuff doesn't work, then we go to the emotional side. We start seeking attention. We say, well, if I can just have fame and fortune, I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll get up on that stage and I'll have everything I ever wanted. And then you get there and you're not happy because that's not what you wanted to begin with. Or, or you're, you're a teenager, you just started and your spirits died and, and you want attention from anybody in any way you can get it. So, so you start questioning who you are as a person. You start questioning who you are Sexually, you start questioning if you're even the gender you think you're supposed to be. Your spirit is dead, and, and you're, do, you're willing to do anything, even change who you are to get acceptance from the people around you because you need something to fill that hole because your spirit's dead. Then Jesus Jesus died on the cross so that he can reconcile us. All mankind's spirit was dead before he came. And there was nothing that we could do to fix it. But Jesus. But Jesus. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. If, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it says in the Bible that if you call out to him and ask him to be your Savior, to save you, that you will be saved. Make him the Lord of your life and Jesus will give you a new spirit. Now, he doesn't give you your old spirit back. No, he gives you his perfect spirit, his perfect spirit that can't be marred, doesn't absorb sin, 
perfect and righteous in every way and will remain perfect and righteous in every way because it's his, not yours. And he puts it in you when you ask him to save you. So if you say that prayer, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I, I admit I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness, will you be my Lord and Savior? He'll give you a new spirit. But then you try to put those physical things in it emotional sin back in the spirit and it just it don't fit you start feeling guilty and uncomfortable everything you did before just doesn't feel right all of a sudden you're convicted every time you go and do those things every time you go do drugs every time you you go and drink with your buddies you feel convicted you feel uncomfortable in your own skin because you're still trying to fill that void with the physical and the emotional, but Jesus has renewed your spirit. But you're not quite sure. Did you do something wrong? Did you not say the prayer right? Are you sure you're saved? See, the problem is, is that in order to be truly saved and have everything Jesus wants you to have, you have to surrender you got to ask him for his helper. See, Jesus said to his disciples when he left, he said, it's good that I leave so that you can get the helper who's going to come after I'm gone. The Holy Spirit came and filled everyone who was saved. And it's done that ever since Jesus left. But you have to ask for it. Heavenly Father, I ask that you fill me with your spirit. I surrender you and I, ex- I ask you, Lord, to fill me with the Holy Spirit so that I will know how to walk, how to talk, and how to be like you want me to be. And when you make that statement and you pray that, he's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And see, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. He fills you up with, with wisdom, with knowledge, and understanding. He gives you all these things to help you in your walk, to make sure that you have everything you need as you go through your, your, your trip. Now, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord. And when you ask the Holy Spirit into your heart and surrender to God, he will fill your spirit with these things. So when you try to sin again, It just sort of, sort of slides right off. It don't. It just don't. It just don't want to stick. And no matter no matter how hard you try, it just it just sort of doesn't. It don't work. So not only do you have conviction, but but you have the gifts. 
that come with that conviction to tell you how you're supposed to live and what you need to do to be who Christ wants you to be. I tell you this because I lived this. I was saved in a little church down the road in my pastor's office. I said that prayer. I said, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. But nobody ever told me anything about a Holy Spirit. Nobody ever told me that there was a helper. Nobody ever told me that I could be filled with something other than the things of the world. And I struggled for about three years. I still was fighting with every sin I had before. I was struggling with every single thing I did before. And, and I felt conviction. I felt conviction. I had the spirit in me. I had this conviction of these things I was doing. But man, sin just wanted to stick to me. It just, I was, I, it was horrible. Then a time came when I surrendered. I said, Lord, I've had enough. I cannot do this anymore. I, I ask you, Lord, to take it all. I surrender everything to you, and I ask you to send me the Holy Spirit to help me through this. And I was different like that. My life changed completely. Now, did I still have some thin sins that hung around? Yeah. But man, it wasn't like it was before. All of a sudden, it was so easy to push those things away. It was so easy to, to cast those things to the side. You know, those addictions I had before just disappeared. They, they were there, but they, they weren't there. All of a sudden, my spirit was complete and full, and I was righteous in the name of God. And that's who you are when you're saved with the Holy Spirit. You're exactly who he wants you to be. And he don't care what kind of sins you're committing. And I want you to get that the wrong way. It's his spirit in you. He's not convicting you of anything. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you commit a crime, if you commit a sin, he'll forgive you for